one of my favorite, favorite brothers in the Lord, who's a man whose love for Jesus uh, outshines anything. Uh, a man that my daddy loved, and if my daddy loved him, it's good enough for me. Uh, but he really did. A lot of you, uh, Pastor Greg and his wife Donna were members and, and still are members at the House of Prayer. They just happened to be pastoring a church over in Batesburg, South Carolina for the last 14 years. Um, and uh, he got indoctrinated down in Alabama where he pastored a church and learned to cheer for the tide a little bit down there. Uh, <laughs> um, and a lot of you are going to wonder... What's happening, I'm just going to tell you that, that Jennifer and Matthew and Caleb, Greg and Donna's three kids, are all married. And uh, Jennifer and her husband, now through uh, the blessings of them, Greg and Donna, have a granddaughter and a grandson. Yeah. So uh, pray, Donna would love to have been with us this morning. Uh, she's been helping take care of her mom and dad who both live over on Peachtree, over in uh, Cherokee County. And I uh, had to take her father to uh, Asheville this morning by ambulance around a little after midnight. Uh, and Greg and Donna will be going over there uh, after service today. Her, her mother is still recovering from multiple myeloma. Uh, so pray for their family and pray for Donna. This is uh, next, to the lo- next to the Lord Jesus. This is a love of, of Greg's life along with uh, his family there. But, but pray for her. But um, having said that, he was, he's blessed, those uh, blessed are men that, that were able to be at the men's conference this weekend. Uh, many of them had never met him, and, and I noticed after service this morning, most all of them were up here hugging his neck because they fell in love with him. And you will too, especially if you love his Jesus, because you're going to know that. Let's welcome him back home, Brother Greg. So where's Barbie? Barbie, wave at me, please. Hello, girl. (laughs) Donna misses you. She loves you deeply. And she has a new profound respect being a pastor's wife. I got to button up my coat. Let me tell you what happened. Even Jerry said this bothered him. Greg, button up your collar. I said, I only got one button. I come back from the cleaners. I was missing one. So I figured two. He said, no, that just bothers me. So maybe if he's, you know, button up your jacket, it won't look so bad. I said, thank you, brother. And he tried to make me look presentable. True, true. You know, I I love my pastor. This is my pastor. I'm serious about this. Um, And he he, he hates for me to do this, but it's true. Um, I talk about my pastor to everybody. Uh, I, I try to follow him as he follows Christ. He, I think he set a great example to me of what a pastor is supposed to be. Yeah. And I, I constantly fail, but I, I think Jesus sort of said, now this is what is supposed to be fleshed out. You know, the life of a shepherd. A uh, shepherd loves, or at least tolerates, God's sheep. Yeah, I better take my watch off. It might chaff my, my wrist. Am I supposed to preach till 12? Seven minutes? Yeah. I, I was in a perfect situation just a couple weeks ago because my, my watch broke. I have no idea what time it is. Oh, you mean I, I went over? I apologize. 
But uh, let me ask you, because uh, this is my home church. That means I am accountable to the elders of this church. If this is my home church, and this is the church that sent me out, and this is the church that ordained me, then I am accountable to the elders of this church. Would that be correct? That'd be right. That'd be fair. Well, that would also be true that I'd be accountable to you because we're in covenant. That means we're family. Would you agree? You say, well, wait a minute, Greg. I just met you. I got to think about this. I love Jesus. He is my king. He is the king of my heart. And he is the pursuit of my life. And... Um, that's basically was my testimony when I came here. And they didn't ask me if I was a Baptist or Pentecostal. They just asked me if I love Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to profess that. So, you know, if you feel the same way, then you're my brother and my sister. So we're all on same good terms, right? Amen. Okay, let me ask you a favor. Uh, I love my pastor. And I, I'll just put this on my heart. Wow, praise the Lord. You're going to burn the mortgage. Right? You paid it off. I remember what it is. Wow. Right? But see, God always provides where he guides. 100% of the time. He is not obligated to pay for anything that we conjure up. But when he guides, he always provides. You can take that to the bank. And he's not limited in his resources. Send your pastor and his wife to, to Israel. I'm a, he didn't? No. Round trip. You'll be blessed. And I'm not running a tourist deal here. In fact, you would benefit by sending all your pastors. But you can't send them one time. Who's going to preach, right? Let me uh, share real quickly a story. I'm going to ask you to, because uh, well, I had a whole lot different than what I think God wants me to share. So I'm just going to ask you to turn to the book of Philippians. And basically, I, I want to cover two things here. A heart that pursues God, and that being the normal Christian life. There are no such thing as super Christians. Now, because it is Christ in us that perfects us and prepares us for heaven. And I tell you, when you stop and think about that, that's the same one who hung the morning star. Oh, when I look out upon his creation, I just marvel. Oh, how smart you are, God. You make everything beautiful in its time and in its season. You know, there's some times that the desert is really ugly. But there are other times it's just beautiful. And to look out on the ocean as the sun rises, whoo, take your breath away. And of course, Yen's living here in the mountains. I, I trust you've been to the top and looked out across God's handiwork. It truly will take your breath away. And that's the one who's working in you. But the other side is we're living in perilous times. We are. Um, I love America. I'm American. I was raised to be a patriot. I would have a problem if you burn a flag, probably not, you know, just keep my hands off of you. Not, and I know, I ain't supposed to do that. Not supposed to lay hands upon anybody suddenly. <laughs> but that's the way my daddy raised me. <laughs> Son, 
you stand for that flag. And you understand the cost. And I knew that my daddy knew that firsthand because he fought all the way through World War II. He hit Normandy. He was there at St. Lowe, was hit by shrapnel. He was bayoneted at the Battle of the Bulge, and that probably kept him alive, and that's probably why I'm here. Or he would have died there trying to take those pillboxes that were impenetrable. Uh, he finished out the war. He came home, and he had to deal with it. And my daddy became an alcoholic. Uh, they didn't know it was post-traumatic stress. They just knew uh, he's a little different. Now, my daddy was 17 years old when I started in his life. And I just can't imagine. So he sort of impressed upon me. And if that wasn't good enough, he slapped me right up the back of the head. <laughs> Having said that, America... Um, the election, I, I think, offers great potential sign. But the real changes that have to happen in America happen here in the church. Not, not in the halls of Washington or Atlanta or Columbia, South Carolina. They happen here. When the light of God begins to shine brightly and we take back that that the devil has tried to steal from us. I remember being able to sing, God bless America. And then hearing that said and just shuddering because we no longer blessed God. So Philippians chapter three, would you stand with me? I just want to read a few verses that I'm going to track back and try to make the point. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to make. I'm going to start in verse 8, and I'm going to read through verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. But don't close your Bible when we're done, because I, I want to look at some things here with you. Let you and I make an agreement upon what the Word of God says. Yea, doubt, doubtless I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, speak to us here today. My God, my Father. I pray and ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon us in great power and authority. I confess before you, I confess before this great congregation, no glory, honor, or praise belong to me or any man. And so, Father, I, I wish for my flesh and all that hinders me in my life to be crucified. And I pray that the life of Jesus 
would shine brightly in each and every one of us that there may be glory in the house of God, that that glory may shine brightly to our neighbors, our family, and to this world. Jesus, you paid for it. It rightly belongs to you. You created it. So I ask all this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. A question I love to ask in my witnessing, because we, we deal a lot with people who are atheistic in our society. You know, I know that's hard to believe, uh, especially here in the South. You know, where there's a culture of the South, and at one time it was greatly influenced by God and the church and the Bible. But we've seen an ever-increasing amount of, well, belief that there is no God. And the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Now, if you've ever studied that passage of Scripture, it doesn't talk about a mindless idiot. No, that's, that's not the right interpretation of the word fool. It means a person who is morally bankrupt. It's the immoral person has said there is no God. Now, don't take my word. Go look it up. Do a little word study and you'll find out that's exactly what the psalmist was saying. And increasingly, we see that. We see people um, that are unashamed to do the things that, that were just whispered a generation ago. Even proud of it. And yet God loves them. We dare not take the position of standing back and pointing fingers. Or alienating ourselves from the very people that need us the most. If you stop and think about it, that's not what Jesus did. And yet that is what the church sometimes does. I uh, heard a pastor on the radio. I, I don't know what his name was. I don't know where he pastored. But I was all too familiar with this. He was on the radio and he goes, And you know, I went on board that cruise ship. They told me I was going to have some fun. They lied to me. That's right, they lied. They got me on board that boat. They locked the doors and they shoved off and there I was for the next three days, miserable. Sin, sin everywhere. And I decided that if I ever got back to shore, I was getting off that boat and they wouldn't get me no more. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm sitting there listening because I know I, yeah, I know all that. Right? We, we know all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, if I could just talk to this guy for a second, you know what I'd tell him? Well, the reason why you didn't have a good time is because you were too holy. Now, this is where it gets sad. He would have said, you're right. You are right. I was too holy. That's what the problem was. And I don't know if it would do any good to tell him, I think Jesus would have had a wonderful time. Because when he finds sinners, he's looking for them. And he's found what he's looking for. We read this passage of scripture and we see an aged apostle, the apostle Paul. And he's writing to a church, the church of Philippi. They're in Macedonia. And it was he that came in and he labored and he, and he sweated and he sacrificed and he suffered because of God's great love for them. And he, he said it was a joy 
And anybody who has ever served in the spirit of God can testify, yeah, there are hardships and there are trials, but there's pure joy that comes out of it. Because you are laboring with, laboring with the Father. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul had done. And see, after he left, there were those that came in and they tried to corrupt the pure gospel of Jesus. Now, I want you to write down a word. Would you, would you do this? It is the word justification. Justification. I still got a little devil in me, I do. I have 17 people that I have been discipling for the last two years. Now, I have 184 members in my church. I should have 184 disciples, but I got 17. And uh, I came to this word justification. You know, you're supposed to teach people about justification. So I said, I want you to write it down, the meaning of the word justification. And I left. Come back in. Okay, let's see your answers. Well, we didn't have time. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You had plenty of time, don't you? You don't understand what justification is. Hmm. They looked at me like I was talking down. I said, you know, this is sad. Because if we don't understand how I'm justified, how am I going to tell somebody else to get saved? You know, you know what the doctrine of justification really looks like? Christ died for me. That's it. That's my whole plane ticket out of this world. Christ died for me. For me and I believe it. He died in my place. He took my guilt. He took my shame. He took everything that I deserved. And he placed it upon himself there at Calvary. And because of Calvary and him conquering sin and death. I get to go free. That's good stuff. I said why can't you tell somebody that? Because we invite them to join the church or. Get their act cleaned up or... Hmm. Jesus wants them to just come to him. See, Paul, he had known all that. In fact, if we read the entirety of of that, that chapter, he talks about what a celebrated legalist he was. He was a Jew of Jews. It always got me. He says, as touching the law, blameless. He said, you couldn't couldn't accuse me of not paying my tithes anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I never missed church. I went religiously. But he knew inside of his heart that for all these religious activities, he was still dead. There was something wrong. And isn't it strange that this so-called holy man had come to a place where he desired the death of the people called Christians and he despised the name of Jesus until... (laughs) Woo, God is good. I still ain't understand that preacher on that boat. Jesus found Paul. You know why he found him? Because he was looking for him. And he found him. Paul, or Saul at that time, he was blinded by his brilliance. He said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus. That one that you've been hating and persecuting and rejecting And I love it. Jesus didn't ask him, well, would you like to go to church? He said, I got a plan for you. He did. That's what he said. So it's right there in the book of Acts. For three days. And I I think I know this a little bit. 
For three days, the Apostle Paul prayed and he fasted. And I think I know why. He was so broken. Oh, oh, I can't believe I've done this. I can't believe. You know, and that's a gift from God. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. There's a sorrow this world leads to death, and that's self-sorrow. Write that down. Take that to the bank. Don't let the devil have that over you, self-pity. You're too loved to ever feel sorry for yourself. So the Saul of Tarsus, he's grieving, and then Jesus says to this guy, Ananias, I want you to go down and I want you to pray for this guy. (laughs) No, you got the wrong guy, Lord. This guy is looking for me to kill me. He doubted the power of the transforming hand of Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. It's not that we get our act together and we clean ourselves. He says, watch what I do. And isn't it amazing? This Saul of Tarsus becomes the great apostle of our faith. How much this man has touched my life and I've never seen him. And yet I know him and we're kin. We're blood kin. And if you're born again, you're blood kin to him too. Because we're born of the blood of Jesus, which unites us. And so this aged apostle who knows forgiveness and grace, he writes, and you can know this, a better time, a better place in our ministry. I've come to a place where all I want is him. All I want is him. I sort of know that. No, I'm not putting myself as a good example, but I, I, I know what he's saying. I could be a successful preacher. I never was, but I mean, I could be, you know, maybe one day. It means nothing. If I should have the applause of all men and they were to put my name up on a marquee, which I've had done before and it didn't work out so good. It means nothing. If all men should speak well of me, if my pockets was overflowing with money, if they were giving me the money that they give to Benny Hinn. It doesn't mean anything. You know what really matters? I want to know him. Oh, how I long to know him. See, at one time, he went searching for us. And isn't it funny that after he found us and we said yes, he makes us search for him? Is that how you're living your life? As the deer longs for the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. Deep calls unto deep. There's something deep inside of me that's calling out for something deep inside of you. God says to his people, and you shall seek me, and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. And he knows that in us doing that, We will find him. And when we find him, we find, didn't he say it was the prize we're selling everything for? A treasure of great worth? That when he he really, 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 really fully inspected this, said, hey, this is worth selling everything for. So he went out and he did just that. And he came back and he said, I just want that, 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 that pearl. That's our relationship with God. My little trick question I ask people all the time is, what's eternal life? That's to live forever, Brother Greg. 
That's a horrible thought to me at one time in my life. Drug addiction, alcoholism. There's some of my brothers that we spent this weekend together, they know that there are worse things in my life. Things I'm very ashamed of. But they were all taken away at Calvary and God gave me a brand new opportunity. And the good news is it's not me doing a better job. It's him doing that that he created me to do. That is Christianity 101. That is not the advanced. That's the normal, everyday, eternal life because Jesus said, and this is life eternal, that they may know you, the one true God. He prayed that. And Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Is that how you live in your life? See, as I was sitting here this morning, I, I, I just sensed so much that God wanted you to know how much he loves you. He longs for you. He longs to have fellowship and companionship with you. He wants to, he wants to bless your life. The, the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from you. Nothing. You know, so if he's withholding th this thing that you think you got to have, you just need to say, thank you, God. I know you're wiser and smarter than me. And, and trust that what you really long for in your heart, he wants to give you in fullness. And he will. You got to believe that. That's faith. And you know, when our faith fails, we think, well, that's it. It's not. God knew that we were flawed at best dead in our sins and without hope when he sent his son. And so he said, son, I want you to make this foolproof so that even Greg Williams can get everything. You pay for all of his failures today, yesterday, and tomorrow. You believe that, Greg? I live it. And it gives me hope. And it gives me joy. And it gives me an assurance Somebody asked me during the conference, do you believe once saved, always saved? I said, I thought we stayed away from that here at the house prayer. I said, I'll tell you this. I heard him tell me, you belong to me. I heard him say that to me. And I know this, that he wants to say it to everybody here. But you can't get it by walking down here and shaking my hand. You can't get it by me taking you out down in the Notley River and baptizing you 24 times in the name of Jesus. In fact, I want to show you, and, I, and I, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to close. Because I feel like that's what the Lord wants me to do. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This should be a very disturbing passage of Scripture because, friends, we're watching it being lived out before our very eyes. And by the very definition of that, then we should understand that we're living in perilous times, we're living in dangerous times, and we're living in the end times. Because that's what this says. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Everybody there? Well, I'm thinking about it, I want to say this. I miss y'all. I do. I, I love here. I miss my church. There are many people that have gone out of this church, Jerry, that uh, I know you hurt in your heart for them because your pastor does love you. 
That's why he spends all that time. That's why he never went and got me my water. He told me at 8 o'clock this morning he was going to get me some water. I still ain't got my water. Nothing worse than the dry pan. But I already knew. I already knew. Didn't you, Bill? Because he stopped off and he had to talk to you. But he's going to get that water you want. And it's not that I'm threatening him. I would never do that. Because that's what's in his heart, to serve. And I want to thank you all for allowing me to come home for a little while. You don't know how many times I've asked God. I miss the mountains, Lord. It's in my blood. And I found out it was my heritage. My family have lived here since Cades Cove. I found their, their graves. I just knelt and cried. I said, Lord, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. How could I know it? This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, for such, from such turn away. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, and you might as well add men right in there too. Led away with diverse lusts or various lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Verse 9 says, God's going to put a stop to that. What I want to draw your attention to for just a few moments is what Paul said here. In verse 5, having a form. The original word there means, well, the, the, the word is morphous or the appearance thereof. A form of what? Well, it says godliness, which is the Greek word isubia, which means the look of piety or holiness. I'm holy. But they have denied. Now, that word does not mean that they don't believe it. That means they have refused it. So let's get this straight here. How do we identify these individuals? Because, you know, in verse 2 and 3, it gave us, uh, you know, things that they do. Do you realize that was supposed to be people who say they're Christian? Not the lost. You did understand that, right? That the warning he's giving to Timothy is not about the lost world. It is about people maybe sitting here right now. Maybe me. I mean, I look good, I act the part. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brother Greg. I know all the right things to say. How are you? I'm blessed, highly favored. But there's nothing there. There's no love, there's no passion. And, 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 and the problem with that is it will never bring fulfillment. It will never bring happiness. It will never bring joy. And the saddest part is it doesn't give life. You're still dead. Still dead. They have refused the power. Now, that word power is the Greek word dunamis. 
One way to understand it is the supernatural, and that is how you identify it, the supernatural power of God. Now, you know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. And I've watched it. I've watched it. Oh, I've watched it. And I think anybody that really loves God and is trying to see people saved, they've seen it too, where a person, they know that God's saying, come on, come on, come on. And they go, no, 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 no. You know why they do that? Jesus told us why. He said they won't come to the light because they love darkness more than light. So in other words, they love their sin. And they're being deceived because no sin will ever bring satisfaction and fulfillment to you. Jesus said, I'm the water that you drink and you don't thirst no more. If we drink of the water of Christ, all this other junk, and that is what it is, just junk, that you, you lose its, its desire. That's how God set me free from drugs and alcoholism. I mean, there are two men within the last couple of weeks came, came to my office and their family's been praying for them. They all else. Let's send them down to Brother Greg. I said, 28 years. That's all I said. I sat and I wait. I know what they're going to say. How'd you do that? Now, you may be sitting here going, what do you, I missed something here. Of course you did. The addiction. But they knew. They full well knew. Because they've tried and they failed and they've tried and they failed and they've been to this program and they've confessed this and they've done that and it to no freedom. So how'd you get? You all strong? <laughs> no, just the opposite. I'm so bankrupt that I got to cling to Jesus. And you know why that works? In fact, he said that's where his power shows up best in a weak, broken vessel. So these people that Paul's talking about have refused because they love their sin. But he goes on and says, you know what, they're going to deceive many. Because a Christless Christianity is rampant in our nation. Prove it? Okay. What happened special on Christmas this year? I know you got toys. No, no, no. Beside that, what else? What? It was on Sunday. Now, that's very good because there in South Carolina, there are a lot of churches, man, we're going to have to dismiss services. That's what I said, huh? Well, it's on Christmas. I go, wait, oh, time out. Christ's Mass. Christ's Mass. You know, the Mass of Christ. It's the Lord's Supper. You thought it was a holiday where, ho, ho, ho. You know? Oh my goodness. That's bad enough when the world thinks that. But it was the church. <laughs> Fundamental, conservative, evangelical churches. Now I got no rocks to throw at anybody, just the opposite. I love, not care. And I was just sad because the leaders of these church making those decisions, they got a lot of followers. And I heard things like this. Well, I missed church Sunday. Why? Well, they had a sale down there at Belks. It was a one day only. Now, I could have said, well, the Lord rebuke you. And I've done that. But I was saddened in my heart because they didn't realize that God can provide for you 365 days a year. And he can give you a deal better than Belks can. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. Paul said there in Philippians, throw it all the way. It's all trash anyway. 
All I want is already what I got. And that's my relationship with Jesus. You can't steal it. The devil can't have it. Because it's in his hands. Let me close with that. And ask you this question. Where are you? Religion don't matter. Church membership don't matter. These people that Paul described, they sang in the choir, they paid their tithes, they went to church, they preached the gospel, they evangelized, and probably did a better job than we've done. But all for naught. So, where are you at? Are you in pursuit of God? Or have you settled with, well, I ain't so bad. I ain't so bad. I understand that's called, what, lukewarm? You weren't created for that. Would you bow your heads? I'm, I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Jerry, so if we're late, it's all his fault. <laughs> but as you come, I'm going I'm to pray. Known to you, Father, are the thoughts and the intent for everybody here, of our minds, of our feelings, but also known to you, above all, are the plans that you have for each and every one of us. God, if we settled for something less, forgive us, but also deliver us from that. A life of mediocrity or a life of religion. Help us, Lord, to find that exciting, vibrant, eternal life of loving you, Jesus. Loving you. There is no greater thing. I humbly ask this. Asking you to check every unclean spirit, every demonic power, as we sit in your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. Brother, Greg, I think it. What a guy! I think it's been drunk out of it. It's okay. <laughs> it's still wet. <laughs> we started off this uh, this weekend Friday afternoon with, uh, and I had, I had asked Zach and Cole and Barbie are here. And, uh, Friday before I came down to the men's conference, I'd asked Zane. I said, Zane, can I use you as an illustration tonight? Well, he didn't know what illustration meant, and so they were trying to say it. But uh, Zane runs up. We kind of got this thing, and it's the first one. When he comes out of the nursery, you'll, you'll see him if you're around. He'll say, Dad, oh, have I told you today that I love you? Have I told you today that I love you? And it's, it's, it's kind of grown, and I love it. And now oftentimes I'll say to Barbie, Honey, have I told you today? that I love you. What I hear Greg saying all morning, maybe this afternoon, maybe, maybe right now, we, we tell Jesus a lot of things. And, 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 and me too, because I'm, I'm half woman. My mother was a woman. <laughs> on my daddy's side, he was a man, but on my mother's side, she was a woman. 
So I'm high performing. And my mother, those of you who know her, they, they say it was because she was Kelly, but I don't want to put that off on any of the Kelly family. She loved to talk. So I, I, I can get wordy. And sometimes, sometimes I think that's what I do. I get wordy with, with my Jesus. I'm just going to confess up this. Greg, I, you, 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 you do me good, but, 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 I, but I don't like it when you come and you're so open and transparent and, and honest and you can start confessing stuff. It kind of it gets where I live. I was <laughs> reminded of this yesterday. We were, we were sitting on the couch. Barbara and I were sitting on the couch one evening this week. And we were discuss, We were talking about or discussing something. And I, I'm sitting right next to her. And, and, and she's talking and she's talking. And I'm nodding, and I'm listening, I'm listening, and she's talking, and she's talking. And she paused just for a moment, and I thought, well, it's time for me, I get, you know, it's time for me to respond. And, and I started to respond. I started to say something. And she said, see there, you won't listen to what I'm saying. You've got to talk. And I think sometimes I do that with Jesus. So one of the things that I've got from Friday evening and yesterday morning and, and this morning, in the special service this morning, Maybe, maybe now's the time just to, just to say, Jesus, have I, have I told you I love you? For I'm convinced that love is a difference maker. When you know you're loved, it makes a difference. And one thing that we know from this weekend, all the men that was there, and one thing that everyone has been in this service this morning knows, our Jesus my Jesus loves me. We will probably stand and sing, Jesus loves me. Stand with me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Don't forget it. You can't stop him. He loves you. Father, may you hear the cry of hundreds of hearts right now, right here, crying out to you, Jesus, I love you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cry that we have said many times. But Lord, maybe there's a cry that's coming from the heart for the very first time. That they say, Jesus did all that for me. He died for me. He, he, he lives for me. He's got me and he tells me I'm his. And we hear in heart say, Jesus, I love you. Craig's made it sound so simple that if I listen with childlike faith, it's really all about you. And you loving me. And me just crawling up in your lap and saying, Daddy, 
I get to be with you. And your love is a difference maker. Now, Lord, make that difference in our lives. And let us never, ever forget to tell you how much we love you.